Howdy y'all and welcome to another edition of the Archer Shack Shop Talk Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm TJ. We've got an unusual podcast for you today. We got tied up making strings, got a couple people out, so we will not have video for this podcast. It'll be probably the only one we ever do without video, so don't get too wild. I know we're pretty and y'all want to see us, but we had to... Uh, sort of keep working and do a podcast and then we talked about trying to set a camera up and all this and i was like listen we got time for that let's just do audio this time and it is what it is so anyway y'all are gonna hear us working in the background we're making some bow strings here you may hear a machine turn on a time or two and this that and other again this is not the norm if you're a normal listener you know that so we will try to do the best we can here there's a new avenue for us all together it's kind of neat because we can keep working and and do it but uh i know there's the sound and all that's not going to be as good so bear with us but we uh got some stuff we can talk about last week we finally had our uh kiwi bowman finally had the first local shoot since the covid mess and i think they had 160 shooters so that's a good that's a good sign and good news I think all together because they had the what was it the was it the international round? I can't remember, but yeah, they had a some sort of a field round with it. I think they had twenty people shoot it, so you know, a hundred okay. and eighty total is not bad numbers. No, that ain't bad at all. We didn't get in the go because of babysitting issues, but hopefully they're gonna have another one next weekend. We're gonna try our best to get there for it. Um but anyway, good to see things starting back up. Yep. And we had a successful live feed on Thursday night. Had a lot of folks on. I think it was one of our best nights we've had on there as far as people watching. And then we jumped over to Facebook. If you're not in our Facebook group, look up Friends of the Archery Shack. And we've been going live in there on Thursdays after the YouTube and trying to post a little bit. And if you got any kind of questions or anything you want to post, that's a pretty good spot to do it. Yeah. Um, I'm on. I thought of something other than actually last night on the way home after doing our live feed and everything, and I should have thought of it before, but something I'll, I'll post it in the group sometime this weekend. But you know, most everybody. You know, I know there's still some turkey seasons going on, and I know a lot of people that bow hunt and everything do shoot 3D archery. But what else do you do? You know, do you play golf? Do you play cornhole? Do you, what other activities do you do? To, yeah, that's a good one. You know, just kind of pass the time, I guess you can say. We had went a couple weeks ago because there wasn't nothing else to do and played us around the golf, um, and it was fun. I honestly, I'm pretty hooked on it myself. Um, I've never been a serious golfer, but over the past probably 15 years, I go a couple times a year type of thing, but um, it could be easily easy to get into. And then we've talked about him before. We got one buddy that comes out here. He's big into cornhole, and he wins a lot of money doing that. But we hadn't practiced up on that enough yet. No, we haven't but hope y'all are doing good um 
had some questions. Uh, well, one in particular I know that popped up on our live feed after we got off of there was somebody said they were getting a left paper tear, not left, out of their prime bow and pretty much asking what to do about it and said it looked like their center shot was pretty much set and this, that, and other. And I think I hadn't looked. I know he responded about about his setup, but I, I just remember the, the spine was right and all that sort of thing. And first thing that came to my mind is we've had a couple of them with a little bit of a tear and we've moved that flex guard yeah, I was going in, slow. in or out a little bit, you know, to take some torque off of those limbs and it'll clean it up. Yeah. And then he also was asking, uh, could it be a grip issue? And I was like, it absolutely could be a grip issue. We've had, well, we had one guy and me and TJ could take the bow and several other people and bullet hole, bullet hole, bullet hole, bullet hole. And this particular guy had bought a prime and he'd have a tear. And we mm -hmm. kind of had to work with him and be like, listen, it's definitely the grip. So change it up a little bit. But the problem with changing something like that is it is hard to change what you've done for a long time. It is. It really is. Um, like I've shot several different bows out there and and i've said this a lot even with customers coming in i am not a brand specific guy i mean you hear us a lot and it may sound like we're pushing the prime bows but we're really not um we've all me and jeremy both said this on the podcast and everything but it just feels good to me it shoots good um i started out when I got back into it, after what, 10, 12 year hiatus, I still bow hunted and I used my old switchback, but uh, I got back in the tournament and it was a PSC Phenom. Mm -hmm. And loved that bow. And then I switched up to, I had a couple more PSCs, but I went to Obsession and shot one of the Final Pro X. And I had to change my grip on that bow. Yeah. And I never felt comfortable with that bow. I could shoot it, but it was something that I had to keep reminding myself to do. Um, um, and I guess the reason we bring up Prime so much is for year, for about three years, we looked at Prime before we picked them up. And we were like, these bows shoot good. We need to look into them. And finally, we, we picked them up a couple years ago now. And it's just a good shooting bow, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? And, and we got them in the shop and all that stuff. But like you say, we're not... I don't want to be one of those people that says, you know, I don't want anybody to feel like if you don't shoot a prime, we don't, you know. Yeah. Because there's a lot of those people out there. If you don't shoot XYZ company, then you ain't my buddy. Yeah. I'm under, I mean, this is just me. To be honest, I, I don't really care what you shoot. And as long as you're having fun. Yeah. I mean, it, it don't matter. I mean. I mean, you could walk in this shop at any point in time, and whether it be me or Jeremy or or Jackie or whoever, we'll let you shoot any bow we got. Yeah. And we'll let you shoot the bears, the primes, and whichever one you like the best. You know, if you want to take it home with you, would you know that's that's the way it is. It ain't got to be a brand new prime. It could be one of those uh, Paradox HCs or a Paradox Solo. Mm-hmm. You know, we know everybody's got a different budget. And 
Yep. Everything like that. So we're not we're not pushy. We are finally starting to get caught up on all the bowery strings. We had during the COVID, we had an influx of local people dropping them off and an influx of, of I think in one day we had like four ship-ins show up or whatever. Yeah. And I was like, oh Lord. And uh, on top of the other ones. And I think by a couple more days, I will be done with all those. I'm trying to, on most of them, get a video done. And uh, I've already got some videos done. It just, I hadn't put them together. It takes pretty much as long to put the videos together sometimes as it does to tune the bow. So it takes a while, but you'll see all those start popping up here sooner than later. Um, hopefully our sound is okay. We just got on some little lapel microphones and you're probably here. I'm on a machine that serves and twists bow strings. You're going to hear it turn on in a minute. TJ's on a jig laying them out. So we are glad y'all tuned in. So normally if you, if you happen to be new, this is an awkward one to be a new listener to. It is. But normally we have a little setup up front and we, we use nice mics and I mean, we got on nice mics now, but we're moving around. We use nice microphones and video it and do that sort of thing. And we put it on like Spotify and on YouTube. YouTube's where we get most of our our listens from. But uh, so this one, like I say, is just a little bit different. Check out our other ones. You can kind of see what we normally do. And we on these podcasts do anything from questions to topics. Last week's, I didn't know how it would go over because we had a lot of people asking about I want to get into archery. I don't want to spend a lot of money. What bow should I get? And we sort of went over that. And now, granted, we missed a bunch. I mean, there's a million bows we didn't even talk about that are great bows. We were just off top of our head talking. But I know that was a little off the the norm as well. Yeah. But if you don't listen to our uh, live feed, we gave away a bunch of stuff Thursday night that we had got from the ATA show. So we're gonna start doing some of that. So tune in on Thursday nights at 6.30. See if you can win you some stuff. What else can we talk about, T-Bob? I didn't even come up with any ideas of what to talk about, because I was like, well, we'll just come up with stuff. Well, I had a guy call the shop earlier today. Super nice guy. We had pulled a, a bad speck on his, on his bow. And so he called and like, well, I'm getting, he's like, something's up. I'm pulling on the drawboard 73 pounds on a 60 pound bow. I'm like, uh-oh. Well, let me see, let me pull your ticket. I pulled it and string length was right. It was a 16th long, but the cables were about a quarter inch too uh, short, which added the poundage to it. But we kind of got in a little conversation of the fads that have come and went and are still are coming back around in archery. Uh, like, what was it, 15 years ago, it was speed, 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 speed. Yep. And then it went from that to about the time the axis errors come out, everybody wanted to start building a little heavier era, didn't care about speed, wanted kinetic energy. A year or two after that, it was, I want speed and heavy air. 
and pretty much now you've got the people who want speed, 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 and you've got people that want heavy, heavy, heavy airs. Yeah, I don't feel like there's as many speed demons out there as there used to be. Because um, when I was, when I was really beginning to learn about everything archery, speed was king, or at least around here, I felt like it was, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And then shortly after that, the 300 feet per second mark was it, you know what I mean? I got to be over 300 feet per second is what everybody wanted. And there's still a lot of people out there like that. Yeah. And there's still, there's people out there, I got to be over 340 or 350 or whatever. Like old Chris, he bought an obsession from me three or four years ago. And I think 320, I don't remember his exact setup, but like 320 was his number. And, you know, it shot 323 or something. But he would have squalled if, if it wouldn't have hit 320. Yeah, but, uh, I, a lot of people, you know, especially your beginners and stuff, draw length affects it, poundage affects it. Anything you put on the string will affect your speed. Yep. Um, minus a little bit of speed knocks and speed sleeves because they do add a little bit of feet per second. Well, and it's a trade-off, you know what I mean? You yeah. shoot a heavy arrow, you're going to take more more sound out of your bow. You shoot yeah. a lighter arrow, yeah, it's going to go quicker, but it's going to make more racket. And you can do certain things to tame it down, but not a whole lot, especially if you were the speed man. So, you know, and it's still, unless you're, you know, want to run 80 pounds and because that was his he he was a 26 inch drawer 26 and a half and i'm like and he's he's running like a 550 grain air i think is what he said he got built up mm -hmm. he said that he really wasn't worried about speed because he had a shorter than normal draw length yeah i'm like well i'm you know me with Bigfoot arms with a 31 inch draw, I can get away with a little bit more heavy over there and not sacrifice so much on the speed. Mm -hmm. And but yeah, another I don't know. There's like you said, there's a bunch of fads. Oh um, yeah, you know, like even carbon risers. You know what I mean? To me, that was huge a couple of years ago, and now it's, I don't hear much about it anymore. Like in the in the element in the Matrix days of Hoyt, everybody was like, "Who else is coming out with carbon? Who else is coming out?" And you know, everybody kept looking to Matthews, and I think Matthews kind of shot it down. I'm sure I guarantee you, Matthews tried carbon. Oh yeah. And in my opinion, what happened, and I hadn't talked to anybody from Matthews to verify this, but I th I think that lightweight of a bow gave gave them too much recoil that they didn't want, and they were like. Let's just keep them heavy because if you'll notice, this is just my observation. I think most people would agree. But there's some heavier on the heavier side Matthews bows out there. Mm -hmm. And I, but I think they got it figured out. Let's make them a tad heavier, and we're gonna take out a lot more of that vibration because yep. look at the carbon air when it came out from PSE. Oh, it was badass looking. But man, that thing, that first edition, it would jump. I mean, it would. It wasn't vibration. It would jump out of your hand. Yeah. Um, but fast forward till now, the Knock On Nation bow, that carbon bow that they got, mm -hmm. what is, the, is it the Mach 1 or the Stealth NXT? Uh, I think it's the Mach 1. Okay. 
that joker we shot it it's night and day difference night than, and the, day difference. than the carbon air from about three years ago but i feel like carbon there's a lot of benefits to carbon like it's super stiff you don't have to worry about it getting cold all this stuff but i guess and it, i feel like hoyt sort of walked away from their main reason for going to carbon they got so much stuff on their bows now that the the carbon bows are not that much lighter than or than the aluminum yeah well who was it that come in that had that rx4 that we shot i can't remember but i remember thinking i'm like this is a carbon bow and all he had on it was a fast eddie xl his wrist and a front bar he didn't have a sidebar but i remember holding that thing and i'm like man this thing's awful heavy for yeah. a carbon i don't know i never i don't know i just never really gave too much care about having a carbon bow but i the main reason i would want one is they say the risers are so much stiffer and it has all this benefit that would be sort of a cool thing i will say this because i have the what is it a 2013 carbon element g3 mm -hmm. and i hunted when i hunted with my divergent last year where i hunt at i don't have but probably maybe a 250 yard walk to my deer stand i remember toting that divergent down through there and i mean it's a open road to get to my spot and i'm thinking good lord that's like this thing is heavy now granted i had a 12 inch front bar 10 inch back bar you know a little bit more than i'm used to yeah and then i picked up my hoyt when we went to the tack and it was like night and day difference and i was like holy smoke i didn't realize how much lighter i wish feathers would come back in oh yeah because we're probably the only two that shoot them <laughs> We don't. We never do feathers for anybody else other than ourselves anymore. But I understand why. You know, what I mean, they tear up and all that, and you got to worry about waterproofing them. But is that know. another jab at me? Oh well, yeah. <laughs> you shoot with TJ, you're gonna be reflecting them every week. He's gonna he's gonna send it in hot. But I'm sorry, guys out there and gals listening. I'm trying not to make too much noise on this air stretcher hey, i'm trying to step away from this machine as far as i can so it don't make too much racket and again if you're new this is not our normal thing we just we ran completely out of time and didn't have a our normal stuff to that we could do so we just we said we we've always put out a podcast since we started we're gonna put out one this time it just may not be 100 percent the same or ideal yeah so you can hear some you hear us working in the background but It'll be all right. We won't do it again. <laughs> we'll try not to do it again. I ain't gonna promise it'll never happen. But, uh, let's see. What else has been a big topic? Whisker biscuits are sort of, I mean, we still see and do plenty of whisker biscuits, but I don't feel like there is, I don't feel like they're as in as they were just a few years ago. I've seen the, you know, and we're, we're bad about this. Me and you both are. Something new comes out. We trash talk it. We trash talk it. Because I remember when the biscuits come out, we were shooting, but we were still shooting the badoodles. Yep. Oh, bow doodle. And so, uh, 
you know, we're like, man, we we ain't doing this. And we ended up, we started setting some up and tinkering with them and found out that these jokers are super easy. They're easy to set up, they bullet hole, they tune good. And then we sold a million of them. Yeah. And then the trophy taker shaky hunter come out. Mm -hmm. I'm, that was the first drop away to me. I know there was probably another one out there before that. that oh yeah. But, and then I just wonder, are we coming to an end in the next five to 10 years of a cable driven drop away altogether for the most part? You know, I know they'll still be out there, but like everybody's now talking limb driven, limb driven, limb driven. Mm-hmm. Which there again, in typical Jeremy and TJ fashion, we trash talk. Yeah. You got before, that big before, old long cord. Before we tried them, we were like, ah, oh, you got that cord going to the limb, that's your junk. And I, somebody brought one in here and I set it up and I thought, man, that was easy to set up and the bullet hold right out of the gate. And I was like, I might ought to, we might ought to look into this. And lo and behold, we did. But, you know, if you're, like we said last week on the beginner one, I would recommend a beginner or even, a, I mean, a everyday deer hunter. You know, if you don't want a lot of moving parts that's on the drop away, then the whisker biscuit is still a jam up rest. Oh yeah, I agree. I mean, we, we don't have any trouble with them. No. Who was it that was telling us that like up north in Illinois, that if it, you know, it gets super cold up there, that their dropaways would freeze up and not work. Yeah. You know, they make, I remember they made this um, years ago, I remember seeing it, but it's called no snow and it's for the biscuit and you spray your bristles with it and I guess it won't freeze the- The bristles? It's like a anti-freeze for the biscuit. But yeah, some wild stuff. I've never hunted in, I've hunted in the snow before around here, but I've never hunted in like up north temperatures. Me neither. I'd do it for a big old buck, but I wouldn't, that's, I don't know. If I'm just sitting there and it's that cold, I get cold. <laughs> if I can move around, I might. We had a question on the live feed that I'd be curious if anybody wants to comment. Somebody said, what is a decent range finder um, for the price, you know? And we mentioned the Halo series of range finders are cheap. And for an average Joe, they're fine. But on some of the darker, like black, if you shoot any 3D the, on black targets, they don't pick up that well. And I've had, you know, if it's foggy or something, it's, you know, it's not going to do great. But if you have a recommendation on a good range finder, comment it below because I hadn't done, we should probably stock range finders in here. And I have before it's been a few years, but what always happens is I'll stock it. And then Bass Pro or Cabela's or Academy or whoever will do some big grand sale and it'll be like what I bought it from my distributor from will be more than what they're selling it for retail. So I just, I don't like getting in those situations, but. Well, and you know, uh, 
I threw out the Nikons. Yeah. I have the Nikon uh, Archer's Choice. It's got the, which pretty much any rangefinder now has the angle mm -hmm. technology built into it. Yep. I need to upgrade mine because mine don't. Um, and another thing, this is, I bought, being a, a cheapo, I bought one of the wild games and the i i shoot with glasses deer hunting in tournament and so i had to take in consideration of the actual eyepiece because that the wild game i had i think it was one of the halos it had the long rubber and i had to peel it back and just kind of fold it back over itself where i could actually see the whole picture in the thing so if you wear glasses you know go to an academy or a cabela's or something like that and test them out i know they got them where you can look through them and everything and get one that with your eyepiece you know with your glasses and eyepiece that you can see the whole target yeah before you drop you know if you go nikon route or loophole or vortex i mean i know them are a couple hundred bucks right off to get right off right out of the gate yeah trying to think of what other questions i've seen lately on random stuff um you know one question we had on the live feed which is a good one is if money was no option what bow and setup would you run yeah and me and you both pretty much said a ct3 um ct3 ct5 or the black three and five yeah but but there's you know once if money was no option i mean i mean shoot you got a bunch of good options out there yeah you got a bunch of good options you know the vxrs uh that new carbon you know that new knock on nation bow from psc that would actually be a good standalone video to do a couple videos and and name it like i've only got three hundred dollars to spend what can I buy and get completely into archery? And it'd be like, you can get this with airs and release and everything for three, five, seven, you know, mm -hmm. do a different video for each one. The only problem would be you'd have to update it every year or six months or something, but that'd be kind of neat. Well, and the only downfall to that too, on that doing that is with the trading, buying, selling, trading on Facebook, I mean, you can take a two-year-old bow and probably get a heck of a deal on it. Yeah. Well, you can always find somebody that needs money and, and get a deal. And I've done that a few times. But I was thinking maybe just look average on, on the Internet, yeah. like eBay, for example, and see what the, you know, the last 10 whatever bows have sold for and say, all right, this is an average. You can, you know, here's an average cost of the bow and sights and rests and errors but i don't know i may look into that at some point i'll tell you what video has got a lot of views and that was that samic sage video that i did when we put the string on it and kind of semi-tuned it yeah it's got a ton of views and that's a good starter recurve well i've noticed in the last 
two years that we are getting more calls and people coming in and that's the way they want to go is they want to get into the recurve or traditional side of it before jumping into the mm -hmm. compound side of it. Yep. And I, I, that one lady you had the other day in here, I don't think she understood how different those two are. You know what I mean? I think. Yeah. Cause she, she had bought, I believe it was a Samic Sage. No, it was a Galaxy. Um, but she was wanting to, and you know, it was a good starter bow for what she was wanting to do. And it, you know, it is drilled and tapped for sights and stabilizers, but she was wanting to go more into the Olympic recurve yeah. style, you know, slide bar, long front bar, V bars. And I mean, we, I mean, we could have possibly made that work, but I wasn't about to lead because she hasn't been shooting all that much. Yep. So I was not about to lead her down that path. And plus she turns out and she may hate it. Mm -hmm. You know, I would much rather, I would much rather not sell her something that is going to cause her to hate it. Yeah, I so, agree. And speaking of that, I got a, a word to say about getting kids into archery. I notice a lot of primarily bow hunter dads get their young child a bow and then immediately run them back to 20 yards. I don't think that's the right thing to do. I lost my microphone. Uh-oh. Sorry for the noise. I don't think that's the right thing to do. Keep them at five, seven, ten yards and let them get good. You know what I mean? And then... I remember this when I was a kid. We would go to a archery shoot, and I would get into the youth class and all that stuff. But my daddy would be like, and no offense to him, but he'd be like, "You ought to shoot back here with the man, you know." And I'm like, "Okay, I will." And I would do awful sometimes shooting, and I'd shoot the youth class, but I'd shoot it from the way back stake or whatever. I don't think that was a good play on his part because. I think most people would have been like, I suck. I'm not doing this anymore. Yeah. But I just, I see a lot of people immediately take their eight to 10 year old to 20 yards and act like that's the starting point. I think, I think it should be a lot closer than that. Wherever they can be successful. Well, that's why like when we do the shoots out here and have the, like the peewee class, we just put on their shoot. We're comfortable. I don't care if you walk up two foot from the target as long as the kid's having fun and can hit it good well and it's also like this too unless your eight-year-old is pulling 25 30 pounds mm -hmm. or let's just say 20 if they get back 10 15 20 yards and shoot their area is not going to stick in that target yeah it's going to bounce off and I know the kids that we we have come out here that are a little bit, you know, in that seven to eight range, seven, eight, nine, ten, that are just starting out, they want their air. They get that is the most enjoyment they get is for their air to stick in that target. Yeah. So you know, keep them up close. And like you say, 
I've seen some of them where their air bounces off or whatever, and you can just see they are. They are uh, not happy. Yeah, they're not happy because it's not sticking in the target. And anyway, I know a lot of people are getting their kids into crossbows to start with. Mm-hmm. You know, young kids, and that's probably not a bad. That's another thing. I was, we both really were anti-crossbow as you could be. And now it's there's so many people with them. For a long time, I'll be honest, we were like, we, we don't fool with them. Don't yeah. bring them out here. And as did a lot of other shops. Yeah. And then, you know, we bought a, a new press this year, matter of fact, just to work on these smaller crossbows because there's so many calls we get wanting to work on them. So it's a, it's a different world. My, still my main beef with the crossbow people are the ones, and it's not everybody by any means, but it's the ones that think they're going to shoot a deer at 100 and yeah. plus yards with a crossbow, and it's like, no, you're just going to go wound a bunch of deer. And, you know, with some of these ravens and stuff, you can shoot a nice group at 100 yards, but by the time it gets there, that deer's got a Ample chance time to, move yeah, to get out of the way, so I'm, I'm not... 50 to me would be would be absolutely it and i wouldn't even be looking for a 50 yard shot well and you know you can also take it a step to the compound side yep and i really think what it is is i used to be one of these guys i ain't gonna lie about it i used to watch the outdoor channel sportsman channel pursuit channel i watched it religiously and whatever they did on TV or whatever they was repping, mm -hmm. I had to have or I had to go and do. And so, and you know, it's just been recently in the last probably seven, eight years that you started seeing people start taking 60, 70, and 80 yard plus shots. Yeah. Which I do practice at that distance, but I it's not for the intention of going to actually try to shoot a deer at that yardage it's to make it's to make me more consistent and work on form so my 20 30 and 40 yard shots are chip shots yeah agreed so I, you just never hear of of all the rednecks that are in here that say I'd shoot one at 80 yards or whatever. You never have one come in here and say, I shot one at 80 yards and killed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it just, to me, it makes everybody look bad when you wound out there. Now, with a bow, you're going to wound some deer. Mm -hmm. It just happens. You, you Something's going to happen. It's just that way. But I try to minimize that happening as much as I can. And, you know, with a compound bow, I do that by trying to keep most of my shots as close as possible. Like you say, practice it twice the distance you plan on shooting a deer at so that when you do shoot that shorter distance, it's like a piece of cake, you know, mm -hmm. shoot from an elevated platform and practice. Make sure your broadheads hit the same as your field tips, all that type of stuff. And you even want to do that with your crossbows. Yeah. You know, um, but I just, I think it's taking it too far sometimes. People out here talking about shooting I'd now, take, if you can ethically 
take an 80 yard shot and know for a certain fact that you're going to make a good shot yeah but you got to count in that movement factor yeah i don't care if it's going 400 feet per second you know sound travels at almost 1200 feet per second but so, i don't know and i do understand you know in out west you have a lot of spotting stalks where you're not going to have a 40 yard shot yeah you know you're going to have a 50 to 70 yard shot so if you do you know if you do go hunt out west or anything like that pick a windy day because from the people that I've, I've talked to that's been they said the wind constantly blows so you can pick a real windy day and go out and shoot and see how far your air is going to drift left or right or high or low at the longer yardage yep and like I said, if you feel comfortable and can do it, just know what you can do, I guess is what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, that's don't, I've had people come in here and say, oh, hell, if a, if a monster walks out at 120, I'm sending it. And I think that's about the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. Well, number one, most nobody has a pen that'll go that far. I think they're hinting it. They don't give a damn. They're just going to guess and let her fly. Well, depending on the terrain, you don't. If that deer is on a hill, you don't know what's on the other side. Yep. I mean, you know, it, you're getting into the whole. Something is moving. I'm gonna shoot at it. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know how we went down this track, but uh, I'm sure it was something I said. <laughs> but Let's talk about stabilizers. We get a lot of questions about stabilizers, and. Do you need them? Do you not need them? Do you need a sidebar? Does it help? We get all those questions all the time. And really for a hunting bow, you don't necessarily need them. For my local tree stands, I've started on a hunting bow, recently started using a front and sidebar just because my theory is most of my stuff I got set up around here is plenty of room and that sidebar balances out my sight mm -hmm. and that sort of thing and i can make i feel like I, it's helping me to make a better shot i guess is what i'm getting at but if i was going to walk a long way or any of that i may not even put a stabilizer on the thing yeah because um, around here it's just a park it walk a little bit getting your tree stand that sort of thing and there is you know there is guys that are going in by boat and walking you know a couple miles in to get away from everybody so if I was going to do that, I would probably actually just get me a quick disconnect and put them in your backpack, put them in my pack. And when I get there, cause you know, they don't, they don't make any noise putting them on or anything with that quick disconnect. And then when you got ready to pack out, take them off and put it back in your pack. And, cause I think most people like us, you know, when we were shooting and when we, you know, started tinkering on bows, everybody run a stabilizer. It oh, might yeah. not have been but a little four-incher, but somebody, everybody had a stabilizer. Yeah, and I remember, to me then, it was more of not even as much balance but let's take as much shock out of this bow yeah. and vibration as we can. Now, you know, that most a lot of these new bows they ain't really got none to start with yeah so but anyway 
I guess we'll shut up and get off here because I know this is a weird podcast and we've been on here about 40 minutes. Um, again, this is, we've been, had uh, told people out so we couldn't, we didn't have time to do our normal um, podcasting. So we just recorded it. This is not our norm. You can look back at our other 39 and see how we normally do it but we'll get back to normal next week and i know there's a lot of racket and noise this week from us working while we're talking so don't hate us don't hate us um but we'll be back on here next week and on thursday for live and all that good stuff so thank y'all for listening sorry it was different and loud and i'm sure if you're listening in a car or something you've done turned it off by now because <laughs> all this racket but we at least gave it a good old college try that's right and uh, we'll see y'all next week see y'all